1: Friend, God's answer to the divided kingdom is Jesus' kingdom. The mystery of iniquity can only be replaced by the mystery of godliness.
2: That's Pastor Michael Tanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Mike's message today is entitled, The Mystery of the Many and the Open Book. It is a part of the Revelation series, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. A little later on in the broadcast, I'll have information about how you can join us live in person if you would like, or you can watch online as well, and we have all that information coming here shortly. Today we will conclude the message we started the last time we were together, entitled The Mystery of the Many and the Open Book, a part of the Revelation series. And here is our pastor-teacher, Michael
1: Oxentenco. Daniel 2.18, a mystery. Daniel 2.19, a mystery. Daniel 2.27, a mystery. Daniel 2.30 and 2.47, again, a mystery. I mean, the mystery that was announced to the prophets had all to do with this kingdom structure of a divided world kingdom that leads to something better in the end. So why are people so divided in our world? Why is there an image of a metal man in the dream that is made of different metals with different colors? And why is there a kingdom at the end that the Bible calls a divided kingdom? friend, God's answer to the divided kingdom is Jesus' kingdom. The mystery of iniquity can only be replaced by the mystery of godliness, the mystery of the gospel that shows a future that is radically different from the old ugly past we see in human history. In Daniel 2.44, in the days of those kings, that means the divided kings of the world, The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, nor shall its sovereignty be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Friends, God's kingdom is the answer to the mystery of the image and the divided kingdom of the world. His mystery overtakes its mystery. In Luke 19, 11 and 12, Jesus made it absolutely clear that he was going to heaven for a purpose. I mean, many Christians today believe that Christ went up there, and they don't have a clue what he's been doing for 2,000 years. Christ told us his job description in Luke 19, 11, 12. And when the job is done, he would return to this planet. As they heard these things, he, Jesus, proceeded to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and because they, his disciples, supposed that the King of God was to appear immediately. They wanted it right then. They wanted to overtake the Roman Empire and set it up. Verse 12. He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive a kingdom and then returned sin started in the presence of God inside the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary. That is where Lucifer rebelled against God. That is where Christ in his preexistent form interposed and prevented his immediate annihilation. As soon as there was sin, there was a Savior. And from there, sin spread to this planet and it overtook this foreign realm. And Satan had an outpost Christ came to the cross and defeated him cosmically. He defeated him as far as the future is concerned, as far as the past is concerned. And so in the very place where sin started, Christ said a nobleman went into a far-off country to receive his kingdom and then return. He says, I'm going back to my father in that far-off country and in the presence of my father inside the most holy place, I will receive my kingdom and then I will return. Friend, one name at a time, Christ has made it very clear that he will confess every believer's name before the Father in the presence of the holy angels. Just as he took our place at the cross, in this proxy end-time judgment, he will come into the most holy place and confess our names individually before God. I like a judgment like that. What about you? I want to be in Christ so that I benefit from that end-time proxy judgment. And when this pre-advent, end time, heavenly judgment comes to an end, Jesus Christ will return to this world in glory to receive his people that God has given to him because of the cross. And what kind of kingdom will it be that never ends? That's the mystery that needs an answer. What kind of kingdom is Jesus' kingdom? Daniel 7, 13, and 14 has the answer. I saw in the night visions. and Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Here is Christ in prophetic vision at the end of the Middle Ages, in the 1800s in the context of Daniel 7, coming into the most holy place of the eternal throne room of God to be presented before the Ancient of Days like the high priest on the great day of atonement. He's wrapped in a cloud of smoke. And God gives him a kingdom. And what kind of kingdom is is it? Look what it says. That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Friend, Christ's kingdom is a multi-ethnic kingdom that will never pass away. In Revelation 10, the angel with the open book is Jesus Christ himself. He's not a created being, as some churches will teach. I mean, to even talk about Christ as being created is to blaspheme who He is as the eternal Word of God that created the universe. I mean, scientists will tell you very clearly that the universe is not just matter, it's also a fabric of time, time and space. And the book of Hebrews says that Christ created the Ions, the fabric of time space itself. Before there was a was, there was Jesus. He is the potentate of time, the word of God that caused the heavens to be spread out, that created time itself. And he is not a created being as some teach. Jesus is the angel of the Lord who is the Lord. With the Lord's name, he is the messenger that comes from God who is God. And Jesus, the Logos, the eternal word of God, holds in his hand the unsealed book of Daniel and Revelation 10. And listen to what he says with the open book of Daniel. Open in his hand, verse 5. And the angel whom I saw standing on sea and land lifted up his right hand to heaven. And he swore by him who lives forever and ever. You can't swear by God's name unless you're God. And what did he do? He says who created heaven was in it. The earth was in it. The sea that is in it. And Here's what he says. That there should be no more delay. And the Greek time no longer. But in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God, as he announced to his servants the prophets, should be fulfilled. The unsealing of the book of Daniel would introduce the last days when God's mystery announced to the prophets like the prophet Daniel would be finished. It would be fulfilled. So what is this mystery that Daniel saw but did not understand? What is the mystery of a kingdom at the end of time that has no end? In Revelation 10.7, the word translated announced is literally preach the gospel. The Greek can be translated like this. The mystery of God As he gospeled it to his servants, the prophets, would be fulfilled. The mystery of the prophets is the mystery that is revealed in the apostolic gospel. The prophet Daniel saw a mystery that points to the good news in Jesus Christ. The greatest of all the apostles, the apostle Paul, the gospel apostle, made it absolutely clear that the mystery of the gospel results in a community of faith that doesn't pick and choose who can belong. But is more concerned with breaking down barriers in Jesus and bringing hearts together in love, a community that is alive. Ephesians 3, 4. When you read this, Paul writes, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. That is how the Gentiles, that means non-Jewish brethren, our fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I mean, who would have ever thought that God could create an environment to break down bigotry and hatred and racism and to create a family of love within the context of faith? People have died for centuries over these kind of differences. And yet the mystery of the gospel is that it comes together in Jesus the mystery that is revealed in the gospel is the deep truth that Jesus' kingdom is not a racist kingdom and his church is a God-ordained gathering of all peoples. In the early Christian church, Jewish Christians had to overcome their racism. I mean, it had been inculcated into them. They had to overcome it to worship alongside Gentile Christians who were babes in the faith. They learned from the apostles to give those Gentile Christians what Peter calls a holy kiss. I mean, that was hard for them. They've been taught by the rabbis that the Gentiles were dogs. And so in their mind, they were giving a dog a holy kiss. My dog Smokey likes kissing me, but I don't like kissing him. I mean, this is the thought form that had been put into their mind. They were taught to hate the Romans as an act of religion. And let it be stated that God moved upon his people, the precious Jewish people. He moved upon them to bring the Savior of the world to them first. Christ made it very clear, I've not been sent to anyone but the lost house of Israel. Why? Because he had to work out love in the midst of that ancient people because from the Jewish nation came the explosion of apostolic love and apostolic truth that came through Jesus. And right there in the church, they learned to love Romans. They learned from Jesus that every soul is of infinite importance to the heart of God. Even a Roman emperor's soul matters. So Peter said, honor the emperor. Christ died for the whosoever of John 3.16. Not the elect, not the special. He died for anyone who will believe. And so the blood of Jesus made peace at the cross. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, it was the end of the Tower of Babel for the Christian church. No more confusion. Clear, distinct languages that united hearts and love for Christ. Whoever accepts Jesus, friend, is not an outcast anymore. Inside the church, they belong. Dispensationalist theology, which is very popular today, would have the church of today believe that there are two sides of town in the Christian church. They teach that there are two peoples of God, the Jewish people and then the Christian church, and they're kind of separate. Now that doesn't match with what Paul is saying here. That's not the mystery of the gospel. Friend, God is not a polygamist. There aren't two brides at the end of time. A Jewish bride and a Christian bride. There is one bride. And God's people who are Jewish and God's people who are Gentile are one family of faith at the end of time. A holy Israel committed to Jesus. Christ died on the cross of Calvary with his arms open wide to all the peoples of the earth as one. Now Jesus could have died with his arms folded, couldn't he? But he died with his arms open wide to embrace the whosoever of John 3.16. In John one eleven, it says, He came to His own home. His own people received Him not. But to all who received Him, who believed in His name, He gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The unsealing of the book of Daniel inaugurates the final proclamation of the gospel in human history, where God will have a church an end-time prophetic movement that is made up of every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue is not at all connected to end-time Babylon and its principles. Revelation 10 11, I was told you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Out of the ashes of the great disappointment of 1844, prophesied in Revelation 10, when that book was taken, it was sweet at first, it became bitter, the Bible predicted that out of the bitter disappointment of 1844, a global prophetic movement would arise that embodies the truth of the mystery of the apostolic gospel that all nations are one in Jesus Christ. Christ made it very clear that the gospel unites everyone, and there's no place to exclude the person who has faith in Christ who will be committed to his word and follow Jesus. And his church will understand at the end of time the mystery of the open book of Daniel which unites all people. Matthew 24, 13, Jesus made it very clear. The one who endures to the end, what does it say? Might be saved? How many of you feel like you might be saved? I mean, you know, I might be saved or could be saved using a subjunctive. You ever felt that way? Sure you have. How many of you want to know you'll be saved? Raise your hand. Now, we don't want to be presumptuous. We don't want to have... Pride sets ourselves up to fall. But Christ makes it very clear, if you endure it to the end, if you hang on to Christ, you grow in his word, you will be saved. Period. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to how many nations? Just a few or all of them. To all nations. And then the end will come. And then, so when you see the desolating sacrilege spoken of by the prophet Daniel, you can't understand that. Is that what he says? No, he says, Stay in the holy place. Let the reader understand. The unsealed book of Daniel becomes a catalytic force at the time of the end for people from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue to learn the apostolic gospel that brings all people together in Jesus. The gospel is preached to every nation, and people will be preached by a people at the end. A prophetic movement that understands the book of Daniel's mystery. Daniel predicted that God's kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom from all the nations of the earth.
2: Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Tenko in today's "Reaching Your Heart."
1: All nations will become one nation in Jesus in the church at the end of time, and in the eternity it will never end as such. The everlasting gospel is for the whosoever of John 3:16 who believes in Jesus. When I see an empty seat in the church, I don't care what color a person is. I want God to fill that seat. And I don't care what, what background they came from. When I first came to church, you know, some people think, well, Pastor Mike probably was raised a doctor's son or something. That's, I grew up in poverty in the Appalachians of Virginia. When I first came to church, I had holy pants. And not the kind that are consecrated to God, the kind with a hole in them. And I remember having nightmares that someone would see that, and I was just so embarrassed when I went to a Christian school, I took my dog Fang with me because he was my best friend on earth. And God had people of love who let me keep my dog at that boarding school so I wouldn't leave. And I would have left if I couldn't have brought my dog. I mean, I was just the way it was. At every single point, God had love in the way. When my dad died, who wasn't a very good Christian of this church, but he had become a Christian late in life, and he led me to Christ, so that was good. God led a, a wonderful couple into my life who didn't care that I was poor, didn't care that I had no manners or anything, who loved me in Jesus and allowed me to grow in the Word of God. I mean, the church is not just theology. The church is not just its belief structure. The church is Jesus and His love that ministers and flows to people who naturally would not belong but who are brought in by the love of God. I wouldn't be here today if love had not found a way for me to be here. All nations become one in Jesus in the church at the end of time and we shouldn't be picking and choosing who it is that makes a good believer. Thank God for everyone who comes to church. The everlasting gospel is for the whosoever, John three sixteen. All the nations of the world are precious in His sight. How does the song go? Red and yellow... Black and white, all are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Do you believe that? I believe it. He loves them all and He loves us. All the nations of the world are precious in His sight. Revelation 14, 6, Then I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven with an everlasting gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people, and he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory. That means to love God, to obey him. For the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him and made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains of water. God is calling the whole world, the whole world, the nobodies and nothings of the world, and the someones and somethings of the world too, to accept the mystery of the gospel that brings us together at the foot of the cross and on level ground, And to worship the Creator by the cross of Christ, the gospel, in a single global church family that understands biblical truth. That's what's happening at the end. Friend, there's no place for racism from any side of town in the Christian church. When I came to church at Reaching Hearts International, I was embraced and I came at a time in which I was broken. This church family helped mend me. I don't see two sides of town tolerating each other here. I see a single city with different colors in the mix, a single shining city on a hill that will never pass away. I see a community of people based on the gospel and the Bible who love each other. That is everything the world is not out there. Yes, growing to get along at times. There are growing pains here. We have them. But growing in the family of God is a good thing, isn't it? The Tanko house has had growing pains as of late. I must admit, our white Siberian Husky, Avalanche, died last year, and with his death, a whole new order of things has come about in the Oxentanko house. Avalanche didn't like cats at all. He was a racist dog. That's a fact. Hunter, our first cat, you know, could have got along with him just fine. But he came home one night with his arm partially disconnected. I had to give the surgeon to stick it back on. It's fine now because cats can do that. We don't do well with that kind of thing. I looked at Avalanche, and there was a twinkle in his eye the next morning. He was licking his chops. I didn't know what happened. A few years later, a friend left his cat at our house, and I figured out what had happened to Hunter that night. The cat's name was Tommy, and Tommy had an attitude problem. He was just like Avalanche, but he was on the other side. My friend had to go to the hospital, and so he left his two cats at our house. I mean, people bring all kinds of things over to the pastor's house. So we had to figure out what to do with these two Abyssinian cats who had never been potty trained. I came home and our house was the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. No, just kidding. It was horrible. Tommy and Nephi, these wonderful cats, were deposited at the door for us to care for because the pastor cares for everyone, right? Well, we still have Nephi, but Tommy died. One day in a fit of anger, Tommy was standing there on the porch and he leaped out on the porch like a flying squirrel. You know, He flying. He jumped on avalanche, put his claws in avalanche. And avalanche, in an instant, caught him in his jaws, swung him back and forth, and broke his back. There was a little wolf in avalanche, and sometimes the wolf had its way as it did that day. I had to take Tommy to the vet and put him down. It tore me up to do it. Why couldn't they just get along? Why do they have to fight? My friend Russell died shortly after. You know, Tommy's death, my friend was very sick. He died too. Shortly after that, we had to put Avalanche down. He was gone because he he just did that too much. It was an awful year of loss for us. In the very place where Avalanche was buried, we found the little puppy and we named him Smokey. He wasn't white. He was darker. Smokey is half husky. But there's something else inside of Smokey that makes him kind to cats. Our cat Hunter is not afraid of Smokey because Smokey is kind to the cats. And it's an amazing thing. We raised Smokey as a puppy in a house full of cats. As far as Smokey is concerned, our cats, nephew, Hunter, and Harley, are his brothers and sister in the same house. Because he doesn't know the difference. We now have Ginger, too, as of late. My wife adopted another one. I said, honey, no more cats. Her heart of love is broad and wide. And we're trying to teach little Ginger to accept the Egyptian cat, Nephi. They fight a little bit, but we're working it out. Smokey loves them all. He's every bit as big as Avalanche was, but there's no danger because Smokey loves all the cats in the house. He chases them around the house at times, but but he won't eat them. He tries to lick them when they're eating from their bowl, and they hiss at him a little, but they know that he's not going to eat them. They don't necessarily like him a lot, but they know that he loves them. And so they live at peace in the house. One day I went upstairs and I saw Hunter lying on the bed. My oldest cat lying on my bed. Why can't they just lie in a kennel or something? But anyway, Smokey was in the house too that day. And so he came up the stairs and you hear him running up the stairs like a little earthquake. He came to the room and he eyed Hunter. There's Hunter, my brother. And he jumped on the bed He put himself down, put his head right next to Hunter and just looked at him and said, I love you. Uh, Hunter did a little bit of this, you know, but kept his distance. They settled down and they became calm right there on the bed. I want to see a church where the gospel brings peace that is not based on ecumenical compromise. That's the kind of church I want to belong to. I want a Bible peace. What about you? Peace that comes from the word of God. I want the gospel of peace in my life and in this place. I don't want to judge someone by the color of their skin or their background. I don't even want to judge them by the content of their character because I know I want people with flawed characters growing in Christ and becoming Christ-like in this place. If Jesus' coming is delayed, I want to grow old in a church full of children who have never known that there are two sides of town. I don't even want them to know what happened in the past. I want him to know something is okay here. When Christ returns, he's coming for a kingdom that is one. He's not coming for a divided kingdom that will fall. Friend, Jesus is coming to take us to a city where the two sides of town are gone, really gone, forever. Well, that
2: will conclude the Mystery of the Many and the Open Book, a part of the Revelation series with Pastor Michael Oxentenco. We invite you to go to reachingyourheart.com to listen to this message again in its entirety, along with the rest of the messages that are available there for you in the series. Thanks for listening today. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.